From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. What investors should not be looking for uh, is a stimulus deal from Washington. That's going to take probably several more weeks uh, and is certainly a big focus for investors. I guess we'll get a lot of uh, headlines. It's Democratic Convention Week. Certainly the election will um, get more attention than it already has. It's already gotten a lot of attention lately, uh, but there'll be more. And then we get uh, minutes from the Federal Reserve uh, this week. So that'll be of interest on Wednesday, I believe it is. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, and I was always up on the lineup in Boston is Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, I saw an interview last week where they said that Elon Musk was going to build rocket ships and fly into outer space to find gold. First off, did you see this crazy, crazy interview? I did see the interview, but I did see a story about that. Uh, gold's uh Gone up a lot if they can get get a lot of supply uh, off of asteroids, maybe the price drop. Well, that's what I wondered. I was thinking to myself, why would you do this? Because gold is only so much gold in the world. But if there's apparently unlimited gold around the universe, if you spend billions and billions of dollars to go get the gold, and then you discover unbelievable amounts of gold, your supply just went up. Wouldn't that impact the price of gold? I don't know. It, it's a uh, it's something to. Uh, Something to think about. I, 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 it sounds so crazy, but who knows? Elon Musk is an amazing thinker, and maybe maybe it's true. Jeff, how did your weekend go up in Boston? Oh, nice and relaxing, although unfortunately the weather wasn't uh, uh, very good here. I, I don't even have to close my shades uh, for the video today because there is uh, not a whole lot of sun right now. Well, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know we do lots of things with virtual, virtual backgrounds and virtual backdrops and and I was thinking it looked like yours is coming in nice and clear today. So I wondered about that. So that helps explain potentially why I see you so nice and clear right now. So, Jeff, let's just kind of dive in. We have a ton to discuss, as we always do here at LPL Research on the LPL Market Signals podcast. We're going to ask the question, is the recession over? We've had some pretty good economic data. We'll talk about that. Also, we just had the best 100 days in the history of the stock market, uh, at least for the S&P 500 going to talk about what does that mean and maybe for the future and then kind of wrap things up with earnings season. Earnings season is pretty much over. Um, in our weekly market commentary this week, Jeff, you took a look at earnings and um, we'll kind of focus on that. But let's get right to it. Is the recession over, Jeff? I'll kind of lay the groundwork here a little bit and then go to you. Um, you know, we've seen under a million claims. We've had uh, new highs in retail sales. Uh, then first off, under a million initial jobless claims sounds like a ton, and it is. I mean, there's no doubt about it. During the financial crisis, it was like 650 million was the most, um, or 650,000, I apologize, 650,000. So it's a lot, but it's a lot better than it was to break a million initial claims last week. Uh, you know, the retail sales has been good. Industrial production's been good. Earnings season, which we'll get to, has been solid. I mean, Jeff, technically, the NDER, those national, Bureau Economic Research calls it. We're still in a recession, but you know maybe focusing on retail sales, if you will, and kind of building on it. Are we out of the recession right now? You think? Yes, I think we are. Uh, you know the the measure of whether we're in a recession or not is more about the direction, the momentum uh, of the economy rather than the level. So we're not going to recover all the lost output here, probably for you know another year plus. But um, we've had a convincing move off the bottom in, in economic activity. And certainly, consumer spending is most of the economy. 
retail sales, a big chunk of that. And um, there we've seen a V-shape recovery, no doubt. Um, I was looking through uh, the numbers over the weekend and we actually got uh, year-over-year increases in uh, a number of categories. Now, you know, one is not a surprise, which is e-commerce, right? Non-store retailers up 25%. Uh, but we had a number of other uh, categories within retail sales up vehicles and auto parts, uh, building supplies, furniture sales, grocery stores, health stores. Right? There's a lot of COVID sales there, uh, sporting goods. So a number of uh, areas within retail sales have already recovered all of their pandemic-related losses and broke through to new highs. Uh, that's really impressive given the economic environment. Well, no question there. I know you talk about retail and sporting goods sales. I mentioned this before. I mean, we, we've gone to Dick's Sporting Goods a couple of times, put the masks on, go get stuff for the kids to play outside. And my, oh my, Dick's Sporting Goods is sure crowded. So I think that makes sense that we're all out there buying some sporting goods in this uh, kind of stuck at home type of world. But Jeff, I want to focus on uh, non-farm productivity. Now, not a lot of people, it's kind of a number by the time it comes out, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's old news. And it's true. Second quarter non-farm productivity was up 7.3%, the highest number since the second quarter 2009. And then like we like to do here on market signals, what does it mean? What's the signal? What's the market telling us? Well, the last five recessions all saw a major spike in non-farm productivity, either right at the end of the recession or right at the start of the new expansion. So to me, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, Mark Twain told us many, many years ago. Maybe this spike in non-farm productivity is just another subtle little clue that this recession, again, is likely over now or very soon. And don't forget, we talked about this a lot uh, a couple months ago. Stocks historically bottom, by stocks, I mean the S&P 500, historically bottom five months on average before recession's over. If my math is right, April, May, June, July, August, we're at five months right now. Historically manufacturing bottoms, four months before the recession's over. Manufacturing bottom in April. So that's May, June, July, August. Once again, four months, kind of right there. That's good manufacturing data recently globally as well. The last thing, Jeff, I'll talk about, we're going to talk about market at new highs and kind of the strength. But when the S&P 500 makes a new high during a recession, which again, if we're in a recession this month, which it could be, maybe we're not, but if we are, we make a new high on the S&P, who knows? By the time you guys listen to this podcast, we might be at new highs. Uh, it's really rare. You've got March 91, November 82, July of 80, and February 1961. Those are the only times the S&P made a new high during a recession. Jeff, incredibly, the next month, every single time the recession was over. It ended pretty much when you made new highs. The stock market's one of the best forward-looking indicators we have for the economy. That's the truth. And if new highs or flurry new highs, again, in my opinion, are just another subtle clue that this uh, recession indeed is probably over or over pretty soon. Jeff, let's talk a little bit about uh, yields. I was impressed with the uh, big jump in the 10-year yield, the steepening of the 210 curve, but more importantly, the two-year yield actually held support from, I think it was its May levels, but it found support and bounce. I mean, yields are starting to bounce here. Maybe that's the bond market finally buying the idea of a better economy, because that was what I said. My big worry is the bond market's not buying this recovery. Now it might be. What do you think about yields going higher here? Yeah, you know, we're going to get inflation eventually uh, after all this money printing by the Federal Reserve and all the stimulus. 
So certainly would make sense at some point that bond yields would start to um, reflect a little bit of those uh, inflation expectations. Uh, but I think there was some you know, technical like treasury auction supply factors uh, in there as well. Uh, there's just a ton of treasuries for the globe to digest. And at times, uh, you know, buyers go on a little bit of a strike, say they've had enough. Yeah, let's talk about inflation. You mentioned the I word there. You know, we had CPI and PPI last week. Both came in, it's the headline numbers at least, 0.6%. Both, those are really big monthly jumps. Now, the catch here is, at least with CPI, it was down three consecutive months for the first time in history until a jump two months ago and then the jump last month. But my take is this, a little bit of inflation finally coming back is a good thing, right? We don't want deflation. We saw the Great Depression. We do not want deflation. Uh, inflation's coming. Maybe inflation's going to be more of a worry down the road. But I, I think if you talk to uh, any of the Fed chair people or Fed chairperson, maybe they'd rather try to fight inflation than deflation. I mean, do you think inflation is going to start to rear its ugly head, factoring in the consideration that, well, besides all the gold up in asteroids, the gold on the United, the gold on Earth is pretty much at an all-time high as we speak? I'm not worried about inflation uh, in the near term. There's so much extra slack, unfortunately, in the labor market. You know, employees just don't have a lot of negotiating power to get wages higher, and that's a big piece of the uh, inflation equation. Uh, and commodity prices have moved higher, sure. You know, you mentioned gold, copper. Uh, you know, those are going to put a little bit of upward pressure maybe on in inflation, but uh, uh, there are still very powerful structural forces pushing inflation down. You know, the dynamics of the labor market, certainly one of them. Uh, you know, globalization starting to be reversed a little bit, but there's still a lot of that going on. Uh, and we can certainly all comparison shop on, uh, on our favorite e-commerce websites. I saw an awesome quote, Jeff, by Jason Zweig in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. First off, I guess we'll kind of put a bow on what we just talked about. And we'll kind of move forward. Um, the quote is this, being rich is having more money than you can spend. Being wealthy is wanting to spend less money than you have. So that was pretty good. I mean, I, I don't know why. I've I just recently started reading Jason's why. You can sign up, get the email when he writes. I don't know why I haven't been reading him more, but just in the last month or two, the stuff he writes about is so awesome. And sometimes we get some ideas from him and we talk about it on the podcast, to be honest. Um, so anyway, so Jeff, the next thing we wanted to talk about is the just unbelievable rally. There's so many different ways we've discussed how strong the last several months have been. I mean, S&P's up four months in a row. I guess we're about halfway. Isn't it crazy? Halfway through August. A lot of schools actually started today down here in South Carolina. My kids don't start for a few more weeks, but school is starting. Summer is ending, but the market keeps going up. I mean, literally, again, by the time you guys listen to this, we'll see. Might be at all-time highs. But we just had the best 100-day rally of the S&P 500 ever. Take note, the S&P 500 started in 1957, by the way I'm looking at this, when it moves to 500 stocks. You've had some more moves, larger moves. In the Great Depression, when it was 90 stocks, a little easier to have more volatility in a lot different environment. But since it's become 500 stocks, uh, we just had over 50% gain in 100 days off of those lows from March 23rd. And when you take a look back at history, Jeff, 17 out of 18 of the previous times, a year later, the S&P 500 is higher. And we'll put this chart in the show notes. It gains over 9.4% on average, higher again, 17 out of 18 times. Six months later, a 5.3%, pretty solid returns. 
you know, one month, three months later, a little more average where, you, you know, a little pullback makes sense after big rallies. But, and I, we've been saying this for months now, the stuff that we are seeing the stock market do here is the hallmark of a beginning of a new bull market. I know that sounds crazy when you look at the dead data data that we've been seeing, but as we just talked about, some of the data is actually starting to finally catch up with the stock market even a little bit better. Um, you know, it's not the end of a bull market, not a bear market bounce, maybe the sign that better times are are still coming, or at least continued strength, is what I should say, is still coming from the uh, stock market point of view. Uh, the only time that we had um, a really big 100-day rally with a negative return one year later was in 1987. All the other times, again, um, you can find a, a blog we did actually on lplresearch.com late last week, and again, the show notes on lpl.com for this um, podcast will have the data that I'm talking about. But Jeff, What's your take on this? Best 100 days ever. First off, you could have made a lot of money 100 days. This is trading days. I should specify 100 trading days ago. Could have made a lot of money on that because I don't think I would have believed you. Um, but what do you think about kind of this concept that there's still more gains to come? Yeah, this is um, uh, evidence of an early cycle rally, the start of a powerful bull market. We don't know if that's the case or not, but but that's what the market is telling us, right? That, and, and that we're starting a, a new, very long economic expansion, potentially, right? As we go back to the major market lows that have launched these prior massive rallies, uh, that's what you saw after that, right? So, And we're also seeing, when looking at the internals of the market, you, know, you pay a lot of attention to this, right? You know, like small caps, uh, industrials, financials, some areas like that, um, these are at least parts of those sectors not most of them, uh, tend to do better coming off of those major lows. So uh, the market looks great here, although we certainly understand why people are a little bit nervous uh, given the economic environment we're in. Maybe let's talk about that. The market does look great. And I'll tell you what, one of the few times in my career doing this for almost 22, 23 years, the market looked great was in February of this year. Economy turning around, making new highs. Everybody's optimistic. And then we had COVID come, bear market, 30, fastest 30% correction in history, down 34%. Now, one of the fastest bounce backs in all likelihood by the time we make new highs. But Jeff, what kind of worries you right now? My biggest worry, again, is some of the sentiment I look at, puts a call ratios are low. You look at active managers, they are extremely exposed to stocks. Things are good. We're at new highs. Everybody's happy. That's what worries me. I mean, that might be what worries you too. What, what worries you right now going forward, let's say the next two to three months? Well, I think COVID and the election are going to be the two big uh, concerns for investors. Uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about democratic sweep and you know tax rates going up, so that could lead to some volatility in the next uh, few months. Uh, we'll have to see. But for me, it's really more about COVID. That has the potential to alter the economic cycle and uh, you know constrain the recovery from here. If if we, I mean, we certainly hope we get a vaccine. We get. Uh, you know, relaxation of all these restrictions and we can go back to our normal lives uh, next year. But if not, uh, then given what's being priced in to the stock market right now, there's certainly the potential uh, for disappointment. So uh, we would not be surprised to see uh, more volatility here over the next several months around those two uh, big market drivers. Absolutely. But you mentioned a vaccine. Didn't you see we have one? Our friends in Russia came out and said last week that they officially have the first COVID vaccine. You're saying you don't believe that that's when we should all, all put in our arms right away? <laughs> I, I, I don't think that uh, sufficient testing has been done yes. to deploy that uh, widely 
uh, worldwide. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, so yeah, half laughing about it, but yeah, Russia did announce the first COVID vaccine, but according to U.S. standards, it's still, what they've done is still phase one, maybe phase two, but there are six other vaccines, this is as of last week, who knows, it might be seven by the time I'm reading this, but there are six other vaccines in the U.S., Asia, and Europe that are the third and final phase of testing. And there are three more expected to happen sometime over the next month. We've got 200 different vaccines globally, and as many as 50 are expected to be in human trials by the end of this year. Jeff, the previous fastest vaccine that we ever made for a novel coronavirus was four years. It's very, very likely we're gonna get this one within one year, and fingers crossed, toes crossed, you know, let's hope we have multiple vaccines that are indeed um, approved by the FDA and in other parts of the world to help um, to help beat this terrible, terrible disease. You know, just last week, Moderna got a 1.5 billion with a B uh, deal from the United States to give 100 million doses with the opportunity to do, I believe it's do another, four, yeah, another 400 million doses. And so far, the United States government has made $9 billion worth of agreement to spend on vaccines from uh, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, BioNTech and an AstraZeneca. Those are the big ones there. I know Novavax has a vaccine too that's very promising. A lot of UK and other parts are doing it. So our government is giving a lot of money to these these, these um, drug companies and biotech companies. So you got to think they have a clue that th these, these drugs are going the right way and they might go through um, past the, uh, the FDA. Um, Jeff, I'm Adeline. Any other co final comments on you? Kind of on the we started talking about the top 100 days. Now we're talking about COVID. That's how we do market signals. We just talk about whatever we want to talk about. But anything else before we wrap it up? Not wrap it up, but move forward and talk about earnings season. Yeah, I'll just add related to vaccines. The market is clearly pricing in a very optimistic path uh, for vaccines. So, yep. uh, you know, that is. I mean, if we do get, hopefully, uh, we get several that work and we can uh, deploy those widely. Uh, in that case, um, we could get back to, you know, 2019 levels of economic output and profits in 2021. Uh, but there's still some risk to that. And so, um, you know, as we've been telling our clients, we think it makes sense to be a little bit careful here, uh, putting new money to work, uh, because there's certainly potential uh, for disappointment after such a strong rally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, one place that didn't disappoint is second quarter earnings. Second quarter earnings, as Jeff, you're going to talk about, they were still, they were still down a lot. Uh, but, you know, it was much, much better than expected. I think about a month ago, probably, we talked about the idea that that bar was extremely low as it pertains to um, second quarter earnings. Now, Jeff, in this week's weekly market commentary, which we titled five earnings season takeaways. I mean, we've got, you know, three or four minutes. I don't know if you can talk about all five takeaways, but what were some of your big takeaways uh, that investors should be aware of as we head into, you know, the rest of this year, but what did second quarter tell us? Yeah, I pulled out my favorite three, so we'll do that. Perfect. Uh, you know, first of all, um, if you look at the S&P sectors, the earnings decline in Q2 came from only four of them. Right. That, so that means seven S&P sectors actually generated flat or marginally higher earnings year over year. Right. That's that's remarkable. Uh, let me see if I can get it right. So the ones where you saw the declines, you can help me, Ryan. In industrials, consumer discretionary, financials, and energy, I believe, were the four <laughs> that uh, collectively made up that entire 33% uh, decline. That's, that's correct. Mm -hmm. So yep. I'm going to interpret that positively and say, wow, that's an amazing in, in 
such a terrible economic environment that seven sectors collectively were able to uh, hold earnings at year ago levels. That's that's remarkable. Uh, my second takeaway is that the growth index, the Russell 1000 growth index, grew earnings year over year in Q2. So all of the earnings decline came on the value side. The Russell 1000 value index saw 40% earnings decline uh, year over year. So tremendous performance from growth stocks. And then um, third one, last one I'll highlight is uh, the economic surprise indexes, which measure the frequency of economic data beating expectations based on consensus forecasts. Uh, the Citi Group measures actually at an all-time high. The Bloomberg measures is pretty close and very, very strong. That Those indexes tend to correlate to earnings growth. So that suggests that the earnings recovery actually going forward could be better than the market currently expects. So a lot of positive takeaways in what was otherwise just a, a terrible quarter, uh, second quarter earnings. Uh, great points there. And, you know, like we said, the market expects, again, S&P flirting with all-time highs, market expects, <laughs> I think, some some better economic data coming. And maybe that's exactly what um what earnings season selling is. I think it's just like, you know, you talked before, but it's fascinating. The B companies that were willing to give guidance gave relatively positive guidance here. And normally you see a little bit of a pullback in, in the guidance, you know, during earnings season, at least initially. And we didn't see that this time. So, again, just some positive steps. Uh, Jeff, we've got, I don't know, two or three more minutes here. What should investors be on the lookout for this week uh, as it pertains to their investments, the economy, Washington, finding gold in outer space, what, whatever it is? Well, what are you looking for the next couple of days? Yeah, I think the question is, what should they not be looking for, right? right. What investors should not be looking for uh, is a stimulus deal from Washington. That's going to take probably several more weeks uh, and is certainly uh, a big focus for investors. I guess we'll get a lot of uh, headlines. It's Democratic Convention Week. Uh, so certainly the election will um, get more attention than it already has. It's already gotten a lot of attention lately, uh, but there'll be more. And then we get uh, minutes from the Federal Reserve uh, this week. So that'll be of interest uh, on uh, Wednesday, I believe it is. Yeah, excellent stuff there. You you mentioned one word that is a big word for our week this week. You said focus. For those people who don't know, LPL, uh, our company has our big event. We invite all of our 17,000 advisors to focus, which has historically been in a, like a year ago right now, we were all in uh, San Diego actually had dinner in Tijuana with some friends. It was an unbelievable experience. But clearly this year, focus, we had you know, six, 7,000 people come approximately. It's not that way this time. It's going to be virtual because of the world we're living in. But we have our focus event this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So use the hashtag LPL Focus. Um, Jeff and I are going to be live tweeting and talking and doing all types of stuff with our advisors. And it's going to be a it's going to be different, but I do think it's going to be fun. And it's, it's been stressful. I think, Jeff, uh, a little stressful leading up to it, right? Uh, I'm ready for it to be over, but I know it's going to be fun, right? <laughs> yeah, you have more of a role than I do. So I, I, I'm not all that uh, stressed. Plus, I have a little more experience doing this. I think I'm not the virtual, but I think this is my 15th focus. Is it 15? Oh, my, I think this is my fifth. I think it's my fifth. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun from LPL research. Um, you know, also this podcast, we, we, we're going to hit, I think it's 250,000 downloads and listens since we started it right about two, exactly two years ago, actually. And we're nearing our 100th episode. This might be, I don't know. Anyway, we're, we're, we're getting up there. We're getting old. 
<laughs> like 15 focuses. We're getting old when you say stuff like that. Um, but, you know, we thank you for everybody who keeps going back every single week. Um, you know, listen to this podcast. Please give us a positive review if you like it. If you don't like it, just email us. Don't give us a negative review. We appreciate that. Um, but, you know, we are on YouTube now also with a video of this uh, sharing some of the slides as we go along. Um, that's our LPL Research YouTube channel. You can find that pretty fast. So, Jeff, thank you very much for being here as always. Thank you for everyone out there continuing to listen to the LPL Market Signals podcast. And assuming we survive focus, which is going to be uh, going to be fun, but we're going to do it. We'll be back next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC, insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.